Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I'm so glad to be back in the saddle after a week off. And I'm glad you're joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. And we cover it all from the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For Texas High Plains cotton farmers who suffered quality losses due to weather in recent years, there's still time to sign up for assistance available through a new USDA program. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Coastal Bend farmers have been busy planting row crops for the past two weeks. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Coastal Bend area. The Texas House Committee on Agriculture and Livestock hears testimony on the agricultural losses from Winter Storm Erie. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories along with Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. This past year has been an exceptional one for the Texas sheep industry. Jessica Domel tells why. The Texas lamb market is thriving despite restaurant closures in 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic. That's because the majority of Texas lamb doesn't take the traditional route through supply chain like beef cattle do. Dr. Reed Redden, goat and lamb specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, explains. Those are lighter weight lambs that are going to primarily ethnic markets. So it's recent immigrants into the U.S., from Africa, Middle East, Southeast Asia, different parts of the world that they eat lamb all the time, but they don't really eat lamb kind of how a traditional market. They don't go buy a package of lamb chops per se. They're buying a whole lamb or a half a lamb and cooking them in in their traditional means and techniques. But they also want to buy a whole lamb and they don't want a really big one. Texas lamb raisers fetch a premium for their product due to supply and demand. There's a larger demand than what the supply is for the most part. That's going to vary by season. Most of the lambs in Texas are born in the late fall, winter, and early springtime. And then those lambs are going to be ready for harvest between three and seven or eight months of age. We have the largest supply of lambs in the summer from April through, say, August. And then that supply starts to drop in the fall and the winter. And when the supply drops, the demand is kind of still there. And so then the market really kind of takes off and, and they get a premium. But the market's been really good. It's been great in the winter and good in the summer. That was Dr. Reed Redden with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. There is still time for Texas cotton farmers to sign up for a USDA program that addresses quality losses in past crops. James Hunt has more. The sign-up period for the Quality Loss Adjustment Program, or QLA, has now been extended through April 9th. Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says in the Texas High Plains, this new ad hoc program will primarily assist 
cotton growers. Quality loss adjustment, it addresses quality losses due to some qualifying disasters, um, particularly drought, flood, excessive moisture, and the like. And so uh, rather than, you know, production loss, the idea is to help out when those crops had unexpected decreases in quality. Dr. Benavidez says the QLA assistance targets two specific years. This is a retroactive program indemnifying essentially for losses in 2018 and 2019. So if you suffered a greater than 5% quality discount from one of those events I mentioned earlier, you know, some quality loss essentially, then you would probably qualify for some sort of payment under the quality loss adjustment program. To help farmers apply, Dr. Benavidez says Texas A&M's Ag and Food Policy Center has educational resources on its website, including a tool to help with the paperwork. There's a form called the FSA 898, and a tool that we have addresses the cotton payments on the FSA 898, and so you'll just input your data, which you can probably download from your co-op or from your uh, GIN, and it will populate the tool for you after you input your data and help you fill out that FSA form, which is a little complicated. That website address is afpc.tamu.edu. Again, afpc.tamu.edu. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas dairy industry is still reeling from the effects of winter storm URI. Tom Nicoletti reports. Darren Turley, the executive director of the Texas Association of Dairymen, testified last week before the House Committee on Agriculture and Livestock at the state capitol. Our producers are quite aware of cold weather and how to take care of our animals in such conditions. We were very fortunate that under those conditions, we survived very well in that time in production. We were very unfortunate in the fact that once we produced the milk, we had nowhere to take it. So for the first time, the Texas dairy industry come into the first of this year with the 1.7 billion gallon production level that has propelled us over the fourth largest dairy state of New York to let us have that ranking for the first time. We had that for a couple of months and then we have a storm event. With that event, we saw basically every processing facility across the state in one form or another be impacted and be shut down on their ability to take milk. The producers were able to continue to make milk with generator sets and things that they're prepared for for that cold temperature in the Panhandle and in Central Texas as well. But their trucks got full. The tankers all got parked full of milk trying to find a way to get it to anybody that could take it. But that didn't happen. With that, we ended up dumping over 1,800 loads of milk which would equate to over $20 million worth of product at the farm level. We now have plants in Texas that can take 280 loads of milk a day. It doesn't take much of a shutdown to start having loads of milk backed up if you're taking 280 loads of milk a day. The ability to run for a small amount of time during a rolling blackout does not help a plant. So 30 minutes on is barely getting it warmed up to process anything to be shut back off and roll through that blackout. One of the things I think going forward that we've all mentioned is the food security need for our state. Something like this, hopefully none of us will ever live to see again. This is surely a once in a generation storm. But with that, we also can see that we have gotten very good at going from the product to the store shelf in a very short period of time. And in doing so, we have no room for storage or backup or emergency conditions like this whenever we lose that product on those shelves. I will tell you that I am amazed that we filled the shelves as quickly as we did in the dairy industry. I really thought we would have a public concern over seeing the store shelves empty for a long enough period of time. It would become its own story. 
So I will say hats off to the processors of all the products, the same as a lot of the other ag groups mentioned here, that they were able to get that done as quickly as we did. Once operations were started back up and the roads got clear to move product, we immediately went to doing so in a fastest rate as we possibly could. Those comments from Texas Association of Dairymen Executive Director Darren Turley in Austin. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The planters have been rolling full speed in the Texas coastal bend. Harvey Buring joins us from Corpus Christi. Well, after a slow start in late February due to that Arctic blast, Coastal Bend farmers have been making up time and busy planting for the past two weeks here in March. It's estimated that farmers here in the Coastal Bend, as of uh, this weekend, will have 95% of their corn planting completed. Grain sorghum planting has made good progress. It's estimated to be at 70% complete. And cotton planting got into full swing this past week. It's estimated that as much as 30-35% of the intended cotton acreage could be completed by this weekend. Now, most farmers have indicated that although moisture is marginal in some locations, it's adequate in others, and they should be able to get the crop emerged and off to a reasonably good start. But without any follow-up timely rains, it could be a disappointing season because uh, last year ended in a 8 to 10-inch rainfall deficit in most locations. That deep soil moisture is very short at this point in time, and some timely significant rains are needed. A good rainfall event is predicted for this weekend, and it will certainly brighten the prospects for ranchers who do not have much uh, available grazing and the green up has been extremely limited due to dry soil and cooler night temperatures. So we're hoping that rain will come and that'll help to alleviate some pressures on the livestock and cattle industry here in the Coastal Bend area. Now our extension office in Nueces County is hosting the Coastal Bend Grass Growers Seminar, and we will be um, having some good information for livestock producers and hay producers. That event will be taking place on March 23rd. You'll need to contact the Nueces County Extension Office for registration and program details. Three hours of continuing education training for pesticide applicators will be offered. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Coastal Bend area for Texas Ag Today. Changes are coming for a popular Texas fishing tournament. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And a large number of performance horses suffer from stomach ulcers. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Each year, National Ag Day celebrates the important contributions of our country's farms and farm families. Join the Agriculture Council of America and our esteemed industry partners on March 23rd as we thank America's farmers for all they provide to our nation and the world. Food brings everyone to the table. Thanks to American Ag. Learn more about Ag Day and the events for March 23rd at agday.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
Stomach ulcers are very common in performance horses, but a new treatment method could be more effective and cheaper. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look. There are two different areas in the horse's stomach. One is the squamous area and the other is the glandular area. And this is important because the location of the ulcer gives the veterinarian a likely reason for the cause and the chance of ulcers healing. Ulcers in the glandular portion of the stomach are much more difficult to heal than those in the squamous portion. The drug omeprazole is commonly used to treat gastric ulcers, and although effective in most cases, the drug is expensive and is used for a minimum of 30 days. To determine the absorption characteristics of omeprazole, Dr. Ben Sykes from the University of Liverpool performed a study on feeding time and absorption of the drug. He found that compared to giving the drug to fasted horses, feeding hay with the drug decreased absorption up to 66%. And this decreased absorption correlated with decreased acid suppression of up to 40% over the 24-hour period. So if a meprazole is given when the horse has hay available, the horse is not protected from acid for 40% of the day. Also, three out of the six horses tested had little acid suppression at all over a five-day period. So this expensive drug was wasted and could be the reason some horses do not respond to treatment. Now, I know it's not good to fast horses with stomach ulcers, but this report indicates that feeding at 6 p.m. is okay as long as the horse has consumed all the feed by 10 p.m. Then give the omeprazole at 7 a.m. and feed the horse one hour later for optimal absorption. It is possible with higher absorption the dose could be decreased, making the drug less expensive. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Millions of fish along the Texas coast have died because of last month's cold blast, and it's affecting some fishing tournaments here in Texas. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The deaths of millions of fish along the Texas coast in February has prompted some changes in a popular summer fishing tournament. The Coastal Conservation Association of Texas State of Texas Anglers Rodeo, or STAR Tournament, will be held May 29th through September 6th. Dylan Sassman, Assistant Tournament Director, said CCA Texas significantly revised its tournament format this year. We decided to take a hard conservation stance at CCA, our mission is always put the fish first. And so what we did is totally revamped 31 years of tournament. All of our inshore species this year are going to a straight no-kill format. We're going to release, instead of our normal 60 red-tagged redfish, we're looking at up to maybe 200 tagged fish of three different colors for all kinds of different prizes. We're actually adding to the total prize count. We're still in kind of the working details of everything right now, but the tournament committee, our group of volunteers, felt like this was the right thing to do for the resource as we help and do everything we can to help it recover to pre-cold snap levels. The speckled trout, flounder, sheep's head, and gaff top divisions have been removed entirely from this year's tournament. Trout were some of the hardest hit game fish by far. Gaff top is one of our other big decisions. They took it on the chin with this cold snap. We're transferring all of those prizes and those divisions into a specially color-coded tagged redfish divisions. The star tournament will feature three different tagged redfish divisions utilizing a mandatory release format. Anglers just simply clip the tag at the base where it comes out of the fish and let that fish swim off. Sassman said these changes are in line with CCA's vision to ensure the health and conservation of our marine resources and anglers' access to them. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Both cattle and wheat kicked off the week higher on Monday. However, the cotton market started lower. We'll take a look back at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup Jim. today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a higher close in the cattle complex to kick off the week on Monday. We finished higher in both live and feeder cattle futures. April live cattle up 12 cents at 119.12. The June up $1.35, 121.77. August live cattle up $1.05 at 120.82. March feeder cattle up 67, closing at 137.02. April feeders up 70, 143.92. May feeder cattle up $1.35, $149.72. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on a Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle at $114 on a live basis, $180 dressed. That's steady, and it's been steady for the past six weeks. You got to look a long way back to find six weeks of unchanged fed cattle prices, but that's what we've seen $114 on a live basis, $180 on the rail. Boxed beef prices mixed on Monday. Choice up 55 cents, 226.42. Select down $1.52 at 218.75. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Well, neighbor, when you hear cattle sound off, it's time to talk to Madison Bexley, Lockhart Livestock. They sell them every Thursday. Maddie, good morning to you. Good morning, Larry. It's nice to have you back. Thank you, ma'am. It's nice to be back, uh, even if it's just on the radio and there's some distance between us. Uh, how was the sale? <laughs> it was pretty good. We ended up with 969 headed cattle with 198 cows and 22 bulls, 144 sellers and 81 buyers. You know the routine. Let's walk the pins. On the stocker cows, we got along pretty good this week. Uh, the front end of the pairs brought from 1000 to 1275 Mediocre and middle aged from eight to nine seventy five. The Longhorn and Planer ends from three seventy five to seven fifty. The good bread cows from eight to nine seventy five. The mediocre middle aged and short breads from four and a quarter to seven seventy five. A few Longhorn and Planer end cows from two fifty to four seventy five. And Packer cows and bulls would have been pretty much steady with a week ago. Um, the good high yielding Packer cows from fifty four to sixty seven. The medium yielding from 46 to 53. Uh, low yielding and lightweights from 25 to 45. The good high yielding Packer bulls from 85 to 90. The medium yielding from 74 to 84. Low yielding and lightweight bulls from 60 to 13. And on the cows in Ireland, we got along real good uh, with most classes being uh, steady to maybe a tick higher than a week ago on a good active market. So do all you, in all, it's a good day. Do you know of anything for next week yet? I don't. Hopefully we can drum up some business this week and have another good sale next week. I'd be willing to bet my money on it that you can. Maddie, tell everybody how to get a hold of y'all. Yeah, Larry, you can always check us out on Facebook or you can call the barn at 
888-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. Maddie, thanks a bunch, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Larry. Bye-bye. Maddie, thank you so much. And my Texas farming and ranching neighbors, thank you so much for listening to Walk in the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close lower. April hogs down 85 cents, 90.55. May down 62 at 93.02. Class 3 milk was lower. March milk down a penny, 16.35 a hundredweight. April milk down 20 cents at 17.51. The cotton market closed lower on Monday. We saw prices drop as much as 2 cents early in the trading session. However, we did recover some of that, only saw double-digit losses. One of the reasons for the pressure in the cotton market, a lot of rainstorms across the panhandle in West Texas over the weekend, so that did pressure prices somewhat. We closed with May cotton down 84 points, 86.72. July cotton down 81 at 87.76. New crop December cotton down 65 at 83.55. Now, of course, we mentioned those rains. We saw widespread rains all across the U.S. high plains over the weekend. You would think that would pressure wheat prices some, but it didn't. We ended up closing slightly higher. July Kansas City wheat up three cents, six eleven and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up a nickel at six thirty seven a bushel. The corn market steady to higher. The May contract up ten and a half, five forty nine and a half. September corn up two at four ninety eight a bushel. December corn unchanged four seventy eight and three quarters. The energy markets lower. April natural gas down ten cents at two forty nine. April crude oil down twenty nine sixty five thirty two a barrel. The financial markets higher on Monday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up ninety one points. 32,870. The NASDAQ up 96 at 13,416. The S&P 500 up 14 at 3,957. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.